Welcome to Greenlight Reviews, the show where we talk about the movies. My name is Les Roberts. And my name is Ann Elder. And today, Ann, we're going to review Birdman. Oh, oh. Yeah, it sounds like a weird movie. <laughs> right. It's not weird. It is strange. It's unique. It's very different. It's creative. It's imaginative. And you won't see acting any better than this ever, ever, ever. Right. This is directed and written by Alejandro González Inaritu, and it stars Michael Keaton mm -hmm. as Birdman. Actually, that's not his real name. His real name is Riggin, but he played Birdman right. in a bunch of tacky action movies that were huge hits 20 years ago. Sort of like in the Superman hero genre of movies. Exactly. He did three of them. He chose not to do a fourth one because he wanted to go on with his career doing other things, but his career more or less stopped. Mm -hmm. So now, 20 years later, he has decided to direct and star in a play right. based on a very famous short story by Raymond Carver. Mm -hmm. And almost all of this film is shot backstage at the theater in right. New York City. The St. James Theater on 44th. You and I have both been there a gazillion times. Right, but I haven't been backstage until this movie. That's true. <laughs> Riggin is in rehearsal for this show, but his first problem, one of many, yes. is his leading man gets injured because a light falls on him. Things weren't going well. Not at all. He desperately looks around for somebody else, and he finds this very, very expensive and very, very talented actor, his name is Nick, played by Edward Norton. Oh. And I've got to tell you that when Edward Norton <laughs> and Michael Keaton go at each other in this film, it takes your breath away. Yes. It's that good. It's really magic time to see these two actors relate to each other, play off of each other. And they do it most of the time when they're walking down 44th Street. And they never break in the action. Well, we'll talk about the camera work in a second. Yeah. But suffice to say that... They don't break the action, and they really sustain that moment of anxiety that both are going through. It's a fantastic piece of work for both actors. It's fantastic for both of them, and it's great for the rest of the cast. This is the first time I really loved Zach Galifianakis, uh -huh. who plays his manager, and Emma Stone, who plays his daughter. She has a scene in this film that will just knock you out of your seat. She's that good. Well, she says in her monologue to her father what the world has been saying about this guy, Riggin. He was a Hollywood big shot at one time, and now he's kind of a has-been. The problem with celebrity is that it never really goes away. You may not be making movies anymore, but people still know who you are. And in Riggin's case, as the daughter points out he's a victim of this kind of celebrity, and the only reason why he's doing the play is so he can become relevant, not just to his audience, but to himself. Exactly. So as obnoxious as he is, and he is very, very obnoxious, he's also very, very pathetic. You have to feel for this guy. You have to feel for all these people. Naomi Watts is also in it. She plays the leading lady in the play. And she's a 40-something actress who for years has been trying to get onto the Broadway stage. Right. Never made it past auditions. This is her big shot at stardom. And I would say this is the first time that I have really thought Naomi Watts had a role that worked 
perfectly for her and for her offbeat talents. I liked her a lot. In I thought picture. she was wonderful. I also loved, in a very small role, oh, yes. Amy Ryan. You might remember Amy Ryan from Gone Baby Gone, uh-huh. for which she got an Oscar nomination. Here she plays a New York drama critic oh. who loathes <laughs> Riggin so much that she decides and she tells him that she's going to write a terrible review. She's of going this to production. bury him is what <laughs> she's going to bury to. him exactly. And she's saying this even before she sees the play. Her argument is that so many Hollywood stars trade on this quote celebrity right. that they have achieved through mediocre movies and come to New York hoping to regain some importance in their career. She says that Regan is just one of many Hollywood types that do this. And she thinks that they are really a plague on the American theater and lets him know that, tells him off, as you pointed out, Les, in a really scathing manner. She also attacks Hollywood at the same time. Sure. It's a very interesting monologue that she delivers, and it's done in a bar right, right off of 44th Street. So this energy continues from the backstage of the 44th Street Theater, down the street, and then into all the bars and restaurants that Regan goes to in the course of the picture. It is intense from the first moment on. Yes. Everybody is intense. There's a lot of antagonism in the film. Right. And there's a lot of screaming and yelling and a lot of drinking, and Regan throws things around when he gets upset. Well, I think we have to say that this play is about the breakdown of Regan and the mental unraveling that he's going through. Absolutely. It's important to bring that out because that's the through line of this movie. Sure, a lot of it is in his head. It's taking place in his head, and he becomes increasingly delusional. I thought that the camera work was absolutely superb in this movie. It was so brilliantly done. The movie gives the impression that you're watching a single take. In other words, there are no cuts in the movie. Right. So for almost two hours, you do not see the camera changing positions and so on, like you do in a traditional picture. Right. That creates a kind of suffocating feeling, as though you cannot get away from the events, just like the characters can't get away from what's happening on the screen. The other thing Inneratu did, which I thought was so clever, as the movie progresses and Riggin becomes more and more claustrophobic and he feels like the walls are closing in, they actually shot different sizes of hallways so that later in the movie, when Keaton is walking down those halls, sure. you can feel the walls closing in on him. And, yes. of course, they were physically. Oh, yeah. I think this was, as I said earlier, it is so imaginative. It is so creative. It's a different kind of movie. And yet, because you have all these wonderful actors and you have a story that despite the fact that you dislike almost everybody in the film, right. uh, you really feel sorry for all of them and you kind of root for them to win. It's uncomfortable, not uncomfortable like watching a lousy movie that you can't get out of, but it's uncomfortable because you are in the story with them. Very much so. There isn't a picture out there that has ever been done like this, except, well, maybe something that was done 40 years ago. Right. Hitchcock (laughs) movie called Rope. Right. Where they shot it as though it was a stage play. Right. And that's not exactly the way this is done, but it is shot in a way to make you feel like that action is continuous. There are uh, 
so many imaginative touches. I especially liked it when the Birdman character, Riggin, portrayed back in the Hollywood days, shows up, and of course, in his mind. But you see the character on screen. He's following Riggin down the street, which is marvelous. And as Birdman, he had powers. He could fly, and he had powers of telekinesis. And in the movie, he is able to utilize some of those powers for some spectacular special effects. It was really a marvelous movie on every level. I agree with you. This is one of the best movies I've seen in I don't know how long. Right. The only person who doesn't get a great credit in would be the editor. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. He didn't have much of a job, like nothing. Right. (laughs) Well, maybe five cuts. But you have to be really, really on your toes to find those brief slices in the film because it's virtually impossible to detect, I felt. Right. I have always liked Michael Keaton in just about everything he's done. I wasn't crazy about him as Batman. Oh, I thought he was brilliant. Okay, but he did so many interesting films. Yes, he did. He's one of my favorite actors, actually. You know, comedies, dramas, Shakespeare. Pacific Heights is one of my favorite movies Absolutely. of all time. And Houseman, or Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom. It's a hilarious picture with yes. Terry Gar. And he is so good in this he film. He really is brilliant. You can barely believe it. He's that marvelous. I agree. It's really Keaton and Inaratu's movie, in my opinion. They really own the screen. And as good as Ed Norton is, I have to say that if Keaton had been a little bit less of an actor, Norton would have taken those scenes away from him, but he doesn't. I think that this is a movie that breaks all the rules, but still holds on to some of the traditions of great movie making. And by that, I mean a great story, great direction, and a great cast. Absolutely. So for me, Birdman takes wing from the first frame and soars for the entire time. I guess you can figure it out. Green light. Well, it sure is getting a green light from me, too. When I saw the film, I went home. I thought about it. We talked on the phone about it. I dreamed about it. You molted. That's how much you liked the (laughs) movie. That's right. I just think it's sensational. I urge everybody to rent it. Whatever you need to do, do not miss Birdman. Two green lights for Birdman. Okay, we're going to come back very, very shortly with another film to talk about. I hope we love it as much as we love this one. Until then, though, my name is Les Roberts. And I'm Ann Elder. And Greenlight Reviews hopes that you have a big hit the next time you go to the movies. A big hit of what, Les? Hi, I'm Christina Yerling Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts.